Inflation soars to a 30-year high and shows no signs of slowing down. A dramatic day of testimony in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And the NFL's strange policy on fining. What's worse if you're an NFL player? Untucking your jersey or lying for the entire season about your vaccination status? The jersey. Thursday need to know. Let's go. Okay, good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for 11-11, November 11th. I am Carlo Versano here with Baker Machado filling in for Jill today. How are yes, you, Yes, happy Veterans Day to you, Carlo Versano. Uh, just a little word of, uh, uh, of, of heads up for our viewers. Uh, I'm more drunk and loopy than normal. As you can tell, my voice is a little <laughs> weird because of all the allergy medicine that I'm on right now. I'm not contagious, thank God, even though you're in Brooklyn, so we're very far apart from each other. Uh, but if I sound like a chain-smoking Fran Drescher, you know why today. <laughs> my allergies also – I used to get allergies really bad in the spring, and I don't really get them in the spring anymore, but I have been getting them in the fall. Is Ugh. that, like, a new thing? It's so funny. Like, my body is like clockwork. The moment that daylight savings time happens, my body then goes – into weird allergy mode as a result yeah. of it. It's only usually this week, and I'm actually feeling exceptionally better than I have been yesterday and the day before. I, but you know, nothing that NyQuil and going to bed at 6.30 at night can't yeah. solve. What do you take? I've been taking the Zyzam, Zyzel. Oh, do you know what that I, is? I, I've been taking uh, these, uh, you know, these Mucinec pills and anything else I can basically just find at CVS. Literally just like buying everything. <laughs> Baker's the guy see why they have to lock up everything oh, at CBS now. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm the person that literally is like, sir, you've <laughs> overdone all of your purchases. You know, when I go to right. the, the pharmacy counter, they're like, sir, you've just bought way too much, sir. You have to leave. Too much. Too much. Too <laughs> you, do you have a meth lab in your basement? Yes, exactly. I was inspired by Breaking Bad for another business venture. All right. Well, so, Carla, we have a lot, obviously, to get to uh, on this Thursday. So let's dive straight into the headlines. And we have to start first with inflation because it is definitely affecting everybody Consumer prices surged in the month of October at their fastest pace in over 30 years since 1990. That according to data from the Labor Department, it shows inflation approaching 7% in this country. The Consumer Price Index rose 6.2% last month from a year earlier, and that is reflecting higher prices on pretty much everything from your groceries to your gas to your cars. Inflation also accelerating on a monthly basis well above economists expectations. Now, President Biden acknowledging the situation is hurting regular Americans, and he is calling it a top priority of his administration to reverse the trend here, Carlo. Yeah, good luck with that. I think, um, you know, one of the, the things that was notable to me in this print yesterday, the CPI print, after adjusting for these new inflation numbers, average hourly wages uh, in this country actually fell more than 1% over the last 12 months. That's the that's the ball game, folks. If wage, wages are going up on average, which is good, which they are. but they're Yes, that's a good thing, but they're not keeping up with inflation, and that right. is really not only just hurting uh, President Biden, but just hurting regular Americans, right? They, they, it's just if, you're, if your wages aren't keeping up with the cost of living, that's a serious problem. Um, I, was this CPI print the, the epitaph of the Biden administration? Is it too early to did say? They, did I, they finally I, did it in about face and realized how bad it was? Maybe. I mean, this is you simply cannot be a successful president in an inflationary environment like this. this it drowns true. everything else out. Right. I mean, look at ask ask Jimmy Carter. I mean, there there isn't I mean, and I'm not trying to, like, blame Joe Biden. Right. There's not that much that he can do. There's not that much that the White House can do, at least that I can tell, short of like going over to Saudi Arabia and telling OPEC that they have to pump more oil. Um, 
even that wouldn't really solve that many of these problems because a lot of it has to do with the supply chain, right? But the White House, they have got to come out there and they have to look like they're at least doing something. I mean, it was a start that he said he came out yesterday uh, and said this, but they are just not doing a good job on messaging. This is what people care about. Yep. And, you know, this this debate, we debate on this podcast constantly, this, like, question of is it transitory or not, right? Transitory, I mean, it's sort of like a, it's a MacGuffin a little bit, right? Transitory can, <laughs> something that's transitory can last a while. There it isn't, can. Like, transitory True. isn't. Right. It, it just you, the word just means that there's not an underlying issue um, that's that isn't structural. Right. It's temporary versus structural. And I would argue that I, it seems to me that the issues that we're facing are indeed temporary and not structural. I mean, you've got red hot consumer demand combined with all of this, you know, this collapse in the supply chain equals higher prices everywhere. I mean, that is just not a formula that's going to last forever, I don't think. I well, certainly hope not. And don't forget, by the way, the pandemic contributing to this in a certain way as well. So if anything, this is almost a perfect storm of things happening yes. all across the board. You mentioned, can Joe Biden do anything? Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said yesterday, potentially maybe we might open up um, more of the oil reserves that we have in an attempt to bring down gas prices. But look, the Fed is already saying, you know, for the longest time, both you know, Jerome Powell and uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen have said that this was transitory. It was going to be a pop, and then we would get back to normal. Now the Fed is saying, you know, the worst case, we might see this up until next summer as a result of this. And I don't think people have the stomach or the patience to have to deal with this until next summer. And this is even getting bigger politically for Joe Biden because, one— Lawrence Summers, the famous, you know, you know, famous fairly liberal uh, economist, mm -hmm. gave warning signs about this like two years ago, and basically saying that things were going to get way too hot with the economy, uh, that we were adding way too much to the economy, and it was just going to become too hot. And Joe Biden sort of poo-pooed that idea. Now, do you sort of give an apology to Lawrence Summers because he already gave us the warning signs? And now, even bigger for Joe Biden, you have Joe Manchin coming out basically putting the entire brakes now on his entire infrastructure bill. $1.7 trillion infrastructure bill. Not the infrastructure bill, the social spending bill. That's what I'm saying. The, well, the social human infrastructure yeah. bill. But basically right, right, putting right. the brakes on that entire thing, now essentially saying he wants to wait maybe until next year because he wants to deal with inflation first than the infrastructure bill, which you have, if you're progressives, you're apoplectic about because they already said they didn't think Joe Manchin was going to vote for this bill to begin with, which was why they were holding up the bipartisan bill to begin with. I think that bill uh, is going to be toast. I do. It's getting I think close I think to it's, that way. It's really getting I, close to that way. I think they're going to put it on ice. And it's not passing next year. It's not going to pass in an election year. Well, and the Democrats are probably going to lose Congress for like God knows how long. So I don't know. I think that that bill is in serious jeopardy here. The only, the, the, the only question here is like there's people who are like, OK, well – I mean, what is the what, what would they prefer? Right. I mean, I guess one thing that you could do that we know that that helps solve and or at least, you know, tackles the inflation problem is you could have the Fed come out and raise interest rates, uh, which is what Paul Volcker did back in uh -huh. the uh, in the late 70s. But that sent that sent the country into like a serious recession. Um, so, I mean, that's you don't there isn't an easy answer, obviously, but the Fed is basically making this uh, this bet that this is still the better option than if they were to start raising interest rates and then potentially uh, crippling the labor market, which is still you know, running quite well. Yeah, so true. So true. And I, I think the Fed has the mindset, and I know we're going to switch and move on to the next story here in a second, but the last note I'll, I'll say on this, I think the Fed believes 
this is going to be a tough sort of last few months of 2021. Starting in January, I think the idea is is that when more people are back to the office, the job market sorts of changes a little bit better, a little bit more. The holidays are behind us, so we're not dealing as much with supply chain issues as much as we would be with the holidays. Then maybe you turn a page. I don't know if I'm that bullish on that, but we'll see. It's, it's definitely something we'll have to watch. Yeah. All right, let's move to climate here. The negotiations at the COP26 summit in Glasgow now entering into their final stretch on an optimistic note. That's because the U.S. and China made a surprise announcement pledging now to work together to slow warming this decade. China also committed for the very first time to reduce methane emissions. Now, while the agreement between the world's two biggest polluters short on specifics, it is seen as a positive step as negotiators are trying to hammer out a final agreement by tomorrow, and it's significant also, Carlo, in the fact that China had basically no representation whatsoever at the COP26 climate summit whatsoever. So the fact that we're able to sort of get this deal done with China is impressive, given the fact that they literally had no presence there. I think the, the vibe with this climate summit has been notable compared to some of these last uh, COP gatherings uh, in a good way. I think there's, you know, you're seeing just more urgency from mm -hmm. many of the countries uh, that are that are showing up to, to this uh, to this summit. There's more incumbent players who have in the past been dismissive of the climate emergency now seeming to appear like they're getting on the level like China, also Russia. Right. We, you know, Russia looks like it's finally starting to come in from the cold uh, on climate. All of that is good. Right. It's all good news. And it's also, frankly, it's a testament to the younger generation around the world yeah, that has true. really become you know the the zoomers or gen z or whatever you want to call them you know they are staking themselves on this issue uh and i think slowly but surely governments around the world are realizing these guys are going to be voters soon um and they're going to start making noise on this they already have and you know they have you know they, they can they can do boycotts they can uh you know obviously be politically active on this issue, and we have got to sort of come to Jesus on it. Um, but honestly, the the biggest thing on the on climate this week that happened that it didn't really get a lot of coverage that I thought didn't even come out of uh, COP. France, Macron, a couple days ago said that they're going to restart development on nuclear reactors to meet their climate goals. That's really important. France mm -hmm. has, was one of these countries that had basically stopped using nuclear um, amid, you know, questions over its safety. But as we know, or at least as I believe strongly, you know, nuclear is one of the ways to get us from point A to point B. And I think a lot of the Western countries, and specifically a lot of liberals in countries like the United States, have to get over their concerns about nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is, it, it already exists. It, it, it is emission-free, stable energy. It, it exists. We can do it. We have done it in the past. The issues about its safety are really overblown. The issues about waste are a problem, but they are something that we can, um, you know, solve. It's a, it's a solvable problem. And I thought it was really good to see France this week uh, sort of coming out and saying like, okay, you know what, we're going to we're gonna restart some of our nuclear ambitions. I, I thought the most notable thing was John Kerry, who's the special envoy for the United States in these negotiations. He said uh, this week he believes we will have no coal plants in this 
country by 2030, which, you know, tell that to Joe Manchin, mm -hmm. who still believes that coal is still going to be powering, you know, the next couple decades here in this country. So I thought that was that I thought that was significant. Also, look, there's been a lot of other big proposals here, the deforestation thing in the Amazon. Uh, you've seen, you know, getting uh, coal plants out of South uh, Africa as well. Also big things. The problem is, is there's no dates, deadlines or really teeth to enforce a lot of these provisions and these ideas that are yeah. coming out of it. So while I'm with you, I'm optimistic. I'm more optimistic than I have been in the past about protecting the climate uh, and, and this planet. But unless you're basically forcing these countries to actually make these changes, they're kind of kind of drag their feet on a lot of them as well until basically they, they have no choice. Right. All right, let's move on to the big trial that happened yesterday with Kyle Rittenhouse. It's now impossible jeopardy after the defense asked a, for a mistrial, that following moves by the prosecution enraging the judge in the trial. Rittenhouse took the stand in his own defense, breaking down his in tears as he testified that he had acted in self-defense when he shot three men, killing two of them during the unrest in Kenosha last summer. Now, during cross-examination, the DA asked Kyle Rittenhouse about his decision to remain silent after his arrest. And that led the judge to usher out the jury out of the room and then accuse the prosecution of an improper line of questioning, saying that it's Rittenhouse's constitutional right to remain silent. Uh, I have covered and seen a lot of trials in my life. My first job uh, at, was an entertainment legal reporter. So I was covering Lindsay <laughs> Lohan, Michael Jackson, all of that stuff. It is incredibly rare, Carlo, for yeah. somebody to actually go and testify on their own behalf. And the judge even had to say that to Kyle Rittenhouse yesterday. You don't have to testify on your own behalf because there's so much liability and, and potential yeah. for you to ruin the trial on your behalf. And, and looks, a lot of legal experts say he actually might have come across um, pretty, he might have come across as very good to the jury. I don't know, though, if they're going to buy his argument. I think he's going to walk. I think there's. You think uh, so? Interesting. Uh, I think. I think it's. I think it absolutely. Um, uh, first of all, yes, you're right. I, I, any any lawyer will tell you that you know it is a total crapshoot to testify in your own defense. Though I will say, I think, and I'm obviously not a legal expert, uh, but I do think that in a specifically in a self defense case. Testifying in your own defense has a lot more upside because you know you the jury really needs to see you saying Correct. that you felt you know a, your your life was in jeopardy whether it was or not. I think that that goes a long way, and that's probably why they got him. Um, they convinced him to to testify, or he convinced them. I don't know how it how it worked, but yeah, I think he's going to walk. I think. Look, what I'll say about Rittenhouse, I mean, what he did, right, was morally indefensible. He put himself in this in the position for this to happen. He took his big boy gun and he crossed state lines uh -huh. sort of looking for trouble. He ran toward a gunfight and then claimed self-defense. That is wrong. But I don't think they're going to convict him on murder. I just don't. And I think even if the judge doesn't declare a mistrial, which he might, I think that's probably unlikely, but it's still a possibility after what happened yesterday. Um, uh, the thing about this this trial, it's fascinating to me how it's sort of being refracted right through everybody's like political grievances. Oh, so true, so true, it, though. It's so true. It, it's 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 bizarre, right? The the right sees. I mean, he they they see Rittenhouse as this like you know hero who's this like martyr, who's like yeah. doing. Right, this martyr for you know the cause of justice, and they see the trial as this gross miscarriage of justice and prosecution, prosecutorial overreach and misconduct, which is so funny because that's not something any of these people ever complain about in any other True. case, in any point. other trial. 
Nobody on the right is ever coming out in defense of some kid who got caught up in something with that, you know, in an overzealous prosecutor trying to lock him away for some mistake. It's just this kid for some reason. Um, and the, meanwhile, on the left, everybody seems to be taking the side of the district attorney, despite generally and frankly, rightly, in my opinion, believing the DAs are power hungry, self-important political operatives who lie all the time. And right now, now all of a sudden they're not, and they're like this righteous, uh, this so righteous cause of justice. The, the hard part, I think, is what's going to be hard for the jury here, and this is why I think Rittenhouse actually testified, is because Rittenhouse said he was acting in self-defense, and that's why, and 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 multiple people, one hit him with a skateboard, one was coming after his gun. Rittenhouse basically is the only person that can testify that he was under duress and he wanted to protect himself. But the problem is, is that's really hard to prove because you don't have video of any of this mm. incident. You you don't have two well, of the other- video, isn't there? Isn't there, there video is, of the- There is, like, but like, yeah, there is, but like, it, it, it's not like conclusive enough that I think it's gonna help yeah. either one of the case, any one of the sides here in this situation. And two of the individuals are dead, so they can't really speak to what exactly was happening. And some of the, and some of the witnesses that were coming up on this trial said, look, we believe Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense. And then there were some other witnesses that came forward and said, look, the guy that he ended up shooting, you know, he was crazy, but we didn't think he was that much of a threat. And so this is why you see prosecutors basically saying he crossed state lines, went to a town that he has really no connection to. He was going as a medic to basically work uh, at, a, at, a, at a car dealership to help a car dealership that he had no connection to as well. What were his motives? We even saw yesterday one of the attorneys basically say uh, on one of Kyle Rittenhouse's social media pages that he was calling women whores and all these other sorts of things to sort of impugn his character. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to be really hard for the jury to sort of assess. Was he under duress? Does he have a right to basically protect himself given the fact that he brought a, a semi-automatic weapon across state lines? I think this is going to be a really difficult trial for this jury to sort of figure out the answer here. I guess we'll see. I think I think they're going to uh, testify, uh, deliberate for like a few hours, yeah. and he'll walk. Uh, I think that will that'll probably happen uh, next week um, when those closing when the defense actually the, has the defense even take uh, started their. Um, Cross-examination? I don't think so. No, no, Just no. Just a cross-examination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, let's switch to business here, Carlos. Shares of the electric truck maker Rivian surged in their public debut, popping 30% for the biggest IPO that we've seen in years. The company is now valued at $88 billion. That's incredible because that is worth more than Ford and General Motors, even yeah. though it's only built a couple hundred vehicles and is still yet to turn a profit. The blowout IPO suggests the intense investor interest in electric vehicle stocks is nowhere close to running out of steam. And just to give you an idea of how little cars are on the road, they're projecting they won't even hit 150,000 cars in terms of deliveries until the end of 2023. Yet this company is worth more than Ford and, G and GM. Yeah. This is really turning into a speculative bubble with these electric uh, vehicle stocks. I mean, if Rivian is worth close to $100 billion and doesn't really have any cars on the road, that wouldn't that suggest that Tesla is worth more than a oh, trillion dollars? Oh, uh, I'm with right? you. I think so. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how that kind of stuff works. Ford, by the way, Ford gets no love in the media for, you know, because it's kind of like a boring old automaker. That stock is up 130% year to date. It's doing better than Tesla uh, on that uh, on that metric. Uh, it closed this week above $20 for the first time in 20 years. They're going to make a big windfall off of Rivian because they have a significant stake in it. Yep. But they're also doing really, uh, really incredible stuff the, with the F-150. Uh, the, the, the electric Mustang looks like it's going to be a big hit. 
it's incredible to see. It's really cool, I think, to see some of these legacy automakers realizing that this is the moment to to transform their businesses and then doing it. A lot of it's well, exciting. Well, Carlo, if they don't, they're going to be obsolete as a result of this. Yeah. If they don't invest in electric vehicles and, and and all these other startups also, or churn out tons of electric vehicles, I mean, if if, if as I mentioned, John Kerry believes coal is going to be out by 2030. If these companies do not invest in the future of electric vehicles, you know, Ford is going to be you know a relic of the past as a result, so they have no choice here. Let's move to yeah. YouTube here. They've started removing the dislike count on all videos across the site, making a previous experiment with hiding those dislikes permanent. Users can still click the thumbs down button to signal their displeasure with a video, but now only the creator will see who has disliked it. YouTube says the change is intended to protect the creators, particularly the smaller accounts out there, from harassment in, this, in the form of the so-called dislike attacks. That's when people team up to drive up the number of dislikes on a video. Okay, so uh, uh, do you know what the most disliked video on all Ooh, of YouTube I don't. is? What is it? It's it's YouTube's own rewind video from uh, the year 2018. Um, you know how they used to do those like yeah. uh, the year year and rewind. That's the rewind most disliked. 20, th yeah, that's the most disliked video, which is I thought was funny. And then rewind 2019 is number six on the list of <laughs> most disliked videos, which is funny because right after 2019, YouTube stopped making those videos entirely. I, I mean, like, I I'm surprised it wasn't it. the cat's trailer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, uh, the cat's trailer. That's a good throwback. Uh, it's funny though, right? Because they say that this is intended to stop harassment, and I guess, but you can still comment yeah. on video, which is which just as, uh, if, if not worse, you know. At the end yeah, of the day, exactly. I um, guess. Meanwhile, let's switch to sports. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver CeeDee Lamb admitted he's confused by the NFL's new fining policy. This is after he's accrued nearly $50,000 in violations this season for infractions like having his jersey untucked or for waving after a touchdown. Meanwhile, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers was fined a modest $14,650 this week that for violating the league's COVID protocols as an unvaccinated player, his team, the Green Bay Packers, actually had to pay exceptionally more than he did. The Packers are on the hook for $300,000 for letting uh, Aaron Rodgers go to that Halloween party. Which is different from what they're finding him for, which is basically just not wearing Correct. a mask on Correct. the sidelines Correct. or at the press conferences. Correct. What a joke, man. Just one of this guy, C.D. Uh, Lamb's untucked jersey finds was more than Aaron Rodgers' fine. And I guess the argument there is that uh, Lamb's fines kept going up because he's a quote-unquote repeat offender for having the gall, I guess, to uh, not tuck his jersey improperly. Uh, but if that's the case, the NFL should just ret retroactively fine Aaron Rodgers for breaking protocol every week of the season, which is obviously a much bigger deal than whatever this guy did. I mean, the NFL is notorious for very strange fines from not wearing the yeah. correct shoes. Like some players, for instance, if they wanted, I remember reading a story a while ago during like breast cancer month, one player wanted to wear pink shoes and it wasn't during the themed time of when the NFL was going to allow them to do that. And the NFL would not let them wear different colored shoes. It also goes to their socks that they wear and all of this stuff. Yeah. The, the NFL is very uniform in terms of their rules here, and it's just so interesting how some players get away with it and some don't here. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers certainly got away with it. 14000 bucks. it's a pocket change, man. Yeah, but I would also say, though, the tide has really turned on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, it's not, and look, he's completely... He, he he's open to whatever sort of uh, what he wants to say about COVID-19 and all of that. But as somebody who is actually rooting for him 
to become the Jeopardy host, and as somebody who is also kind of rooting for him to join my Denver Broncos next year, I have to admit I was incredibly, <laughs> incredibly disappointed in Aaron Rodgers' comments on that on that radio show. It's just like, I mean, maybe this is the Aaron Rodgers that was always out there, but this was a different Aaron Rodgers than I thought that was out there, and I, I left that with a really yeah. bad taste in my mouth. Well, that's a great life lesson. Never, um, you know, sport athletes are not your uh, he heroes. They're not activists. True. They're not. They're just athletes. They're they're good at play, at, at throwing balls. And um, you know, it. anytime you, <laughs> anytime you think that they are sort of more than that, I think uh, more more time more often than not, they're gonna uh, disappoint you. Okay, Baker. A little more to know before we go. Kick us off. Yeah, the White House says nearly one million children, Carlo, have received the COVID vaccine in their first week of eligibility, and they say another. 700,000 have appointments scheduled for their first dose. It's encouraging numbers for the pediatric vaccine rollout, though still that only accounts for about 3% of the 28 million or so kids who are right now eligible for that vaccine, Carlo. Strong start, though. Strong start. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, good news. Uh, meanwhile, on the COVID front, a federal judge uh, just overturned uh, Texas's state ban on mask mandates in schools. Uh, they said it's a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. So that frees up school districts in Texas to make their own policies and is a big blow to uh, Governor Abbott there. Have you ever watched the Crip Camp documentary, by the way? Really highly no, recommend it. It's all about the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's awesome. It is such a good uh, documentary. What's it called? Uh, Crip Camp. It was actually produced by the Obama's production uh, company. So, yes, oh. Crip, Crip Camp. I think oh. it's on Netflix. I'll um, check it out. Meanwhile, speaking of streamers, Disney Plus added just 2 million new subscribers in the most recent quarter, a significant slowdown from the prior quarter when they added 12 million new signups. Disney joins Warner Media and Viacom CBS in reporting slowing growth on their streamers. That as more people start venturing out and living their lives, we should note Netflix, the only big platform to really sort of buck the trend. They reported a bounce back in subscribers thanks in part to shows like Squid Game, but we should also note they too are starting to top out at the amount of people who do not have a uh, Netflix subscription. I, I mean, there's only uh, the saturation point is right. approaching with some of these things, right? Uh, okay, well, is a Starbucks-Taylor Swift collaboration in the works? Baker fans seem to think so. Starbucks has been tweeting kind of like cryptic lines all week that seem related to Taylor Swift. The rumors are that the coffee giant is going to debut Taylor's Drink tomorrow uh, when her re-release of her uh, iconic Red album drops. Uh, Taylor's Drink, if you're wondering what that is, the thing that she always orders, a grande caramel non-fat latte boring i love it i love say i'm now i want to go order it just because i love me some taylor swift and i was so excited for this album re-release even though i already know what the songs are <laughs> meanwhile jay-z will not have to pay up in a perfume company's breach of contract lawsuit Par Lux sued the rapper for $68 million, basically failing to promote a fragrance named after him. Jay, though, countersued over the royalties in all of this. The jury found neither side had to pay each other in this. You might say he now has 98 problems. <laughs> Just one more. Yes, one less. Good dad joke there. And uh, <laughs> finally, uh, on the country music beat, uh, Chris Stapleton won album of the year at the CMAs last night. Producers of that show must have been breathing a serious sigh of relief there, given that Morgan Wallen was up for the top award and seemed like he may have actually been favored to win, even though he was disinvited from that show after he was caught on camera earlier this year using a racial slur. So that would have been a very bad look, I think, for the country music uh, industry had he won the award and would be basically barred from accepting it. And it's incredible, Carlo, 
him, you know, not touring, not doing any public appearances, yet that album was the number one yeah. album on the country charts for almost a year, just in terms of its popularity. Yeah, just shows you that, uh, you know, fans, uh, sort of back to what we were saying about NFL players, right? Like, I think there's a lot of people in this country, myself included, more or less, that believe that, you know, you can separate sort of the art from the artists in some cases, Maybe, not necessarily this one, but as a general rule. And that goes for for athletes, too, um, if that makes sense. I think a lot of people have that strongly held belief. Well, okay, I've, anyway, lear I've learned yeah. that through Aaron Rodgers. So now I'm aware that yes. that exists now. Exactly. Not, I guess, not that he's necessarily an artist, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that is what you need to know for Veterans Day, November 11th, guys. Thank you to everyone who has served yes, this great country absolutely. and who continues to serve. By the way, if you if you are in active duty or a veteran, um, go use that military ID and get some free stuff today. Every Absol basically you deserve every it. Yeah, every chain in America offers something, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's free coffee, free donuts, whatever. So yeah, go get some free food, man. You 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 guys you guys deserve it. We all deserve it, I think, after uh, this year. Anyway, that's what you need to know, guys. See you tomorrow.